Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. 2 Corinthians 5, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you, page 1159 in that Bible. 2 Corinthians 5. We took a break last week uh, from our series that we've been working through this fall called Living for Eternity. Last week, Eric Rose was here sharing from Power to Change Ministries, which was awesome to hear what God was doing in Quebec. But we'll jump back into our series now, Living for Eternity, talking about as followers of Jesus having an eternal mindset. Uh, There is so much, and it's so easy to fall into the trap of focusing all of our attention and energy on this life. The promise of Scripture is that this life is not the best that God has to offer. There is more, and it's longer, and it's better, and it's greater. And we don't think about it or talk about it that much. And so we're talking about not just the fact that we as followers of Jesus are literally going to live for eternity, but how, when we live this life, can we live with eternity in mind? The challenge from 2 Peter 3.11 is in light of this, in light of eternity, what kind of people ought we to be? Just before we jump in today, I just want to show you a video. Uh, I don't think I need to explain a lot, but it'll just set the tone for where we're going today. So take a look. Torturous and implications that you could go on forever in terms of self-denial and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to talk about that in light of eternity today. And uh, and as we mentioned, as we talk about eternity, uh, we are going to spend most of our existence there. That is where we will spend most of our existence. It is far longer and far greater than any amount of time we could spend on this earth or in this life. And there's a phrase we use a lot in our culture, even non-Christians like to use it, uh, where we talk about, you know, don't judge me, God will judge me. You can't judge me, that's God's job. And that is true, and yet we don't always sort of walk that out to the fullness of its conclusion, which is God will judge you. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this week and next week, that one day we will stand before him and we will give an account of our lives and what we did with our time here on this earth. And one of the things that scripture encourages us to do is to take the long view of existence, not just what's here and now right in front of us, not just what is comfortable and pleasurable here in the moment, but can I take the long view? Can I deny myself that one marshmallow because of the promise of more, even though the promise is something I can't see yet? And what I love about that video is just the the marshmallow's tangible, right? It's right there. It smells good. It's right there in front of you. It's instant pleasure right then and now. Or you can wait and get a better reward, but you can't see that reward yet. That reward is just a promise. And that's the tension that we live in right now, is that our reward is just a promise at this point. And there's a lot in this life that is real. It's right in front of us. It offers instant comfort. It offers instant pleasure. It offers instant reward. But part of our call as followers of Jesus is to to take the harder path, to do the harder thing, and say, I am willing to deny myself now for reward later. I'm willing to shift the motivation of my life away from let me just make myself comfortable and pleasured now here in this life and let me focus on denying some of those things to follow the Jesus way in order that I might have greater reward in heaven. And we don't talk about that a lot, which is why we're doing this series. But let's take a look at our text. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. 
For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so we'll pull a few things out of that text this morning. One of the things that jumps out very quickly is we were made for more than just this. We were made for more than just this life, as we've been saying through this series. This life, this body, this earth is not the best that God has to offer. There is better. There is more. There is more available to us. And so in verses 4 and 5 of our text today, it says, While we are in this tent, this body, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And I love even just those couple of verses, that that there is something more. God has fashioned us for more. We are created for more than just this. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about heaven and hell, that there is a kingdom that was prepared for us from the foundation of the world that God intended us to spend our time in. And so we were fashioned for more than this. And this idea that while we are here and in this life, this life is hard, we are burdened, this body is not perfect, we struggle. There is something in us that groans knowing that there's more, knowing that there's better, knowing that something is not quite right about this life that we live. And as we feel the pain in our body and as we struggle through life and as we see the evil in the world, there's something in us that groans that says there's more for us than just this. There is something greater than this. There is something better than this. When I first moved down to this area, I pastored in Amherstburg at the Pentecostal church there. And the pastor there, the senior pastor there was 70, and he was retiring. So I came on as the associate, and eventually when he retired, I became the pastor of the church. And I remember having talks with him, and I was around 24 when I moved down there. Uh, And so young and energetic and full of strength, and he was 70, and he was coming to the end of his ministry after 50 years of being in the ministry. And I remember him saying to me one day, and this, this has just stuck. I remember sitting and sitting in the office, and we were just talking about different things in life and, and Jesus and the Bible and ministry. And, and he just said at 70, he said, you know what? He says, I'm ready to go at any point now. He's like, I'm not eager for it, but I'm ready for it. And he's like, my body gets worse, and my body gets older, and there's aches and pains that don't go away anymore. And I go to the doctor, and I find out I have this condition, and there's no cure for it, so that's just my life now. I just have that. And he was talking about that, and he's still here. He's still with us in his 80s now. Um, But he was just saying, oh, this body begins to get you ready that it's time to go, or we're getting closer to it being time to go. 
And when the apostle talks about it, this is not a bad thing. And when this man was telling me about this, this wasn't a bad thing. It was this idea of, I actually can't wait. I can't wait to have a new body. I can't wait to be in God's presence. I can't wait to leave the evil of this world behind. I'm not seeking it eagerly, but I'm ready for it, and I am excited for whenever God decides that day is. And Paul uses this picture of a tent for our bodies, this earthly tent, he calls it. Paul was a tent maker by trade. That's what he did for a living. So the tent maker uses a tent metaphor to say that this is what our earthly time is like. And if you've ever been camping, you know that when you go camping, you set up a tent and it's not home, but it becomes your home for however long you're there, right? That's where you lay down your head and it's where you have your meals and it's where you spend time with your family. It's not the same as home, but for a time it becomes your temporary home. And it's okay, it's fine, I'm not a camper myself, but uh, if you enjoy camping, you know that those are times of joy and there's times of great experiences, but it's also not quite as good as home, right? Because anytime I've ever come to the end of a camping trip, I've always said, we had a lot of fun. It was good cooking the hot dogs over the fire. But you know what's also good is showering and air conditioning. And so when we go out in a tent, it's temporary. And Paul uses that picture for this body. This body is temporary. This life is temporary. And it's home while we're here, but it's not actually home. It's not actually our permanent home. There is a heavenly home. There is a heavenly house. There is something not set up by human hands. There is a divine home for us that is our permanent home. And so Paul uses this picture to talk to us about having this mindset that as we go through this life, we acknowledge that this is temporary. And it's not that it's not good, and it's not that we're not blessed, but it is temporary. And while we are here on this earth, we're not in heaven, but we get tastes of heaven. In this life, we get to experience moments of joy and moments of love and moments of peace. We get to experience God's presence. We get to have that connection with Him and we get these tastes of it. And at the same time, of course, this life is also difficult. And we carry sickness in our bodies and we struggle through our finances and we have relational problems and there's bloodshed and evil and sin and horror in the world. So as much as we get these glimpses of the amazing side of who God is, it's mixed up with all of these ungodly things and all of these frustrating things and all of these terrible things. And so Paul says, because of that, we groan because we know what love tastes like. We know what joy tastes like. We know what peace tastes like, but we don't get to live in that all the time. And so we groan knowing that there is something more for us than this that we long to experience the fullness of that love, the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of that joy. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has also set eternity in the human heart. Or he said, eternity in the hearts of men, some versions say. That there is something within us that knows there's more. And for those who are atheists, they will sometimes look to the universe, or they will look to fate, or they will look to science. But there is something in us that knows, something I think just hardwired into human nature, that knows there's something greater than just what we see and experience here, that knows that there's something more. And because we know we groan, there's something in us that wants that that craves that, that searches for that, that longs for that. And because of that, and for those of us who follow Jesus, we, we have a glimpse of what our eternity looks like. And Paul's call to us here as we look at living for eternity is that it means to be living to please God while we're here in this tent. While we're here on this earth, we are living to please God. 
And Paul suggests that that doesn't stop when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, whether we're here or whether we're there, we want to live our lives to please God. So we're looking at shifting our motivations beyond just how can I please myself? How can I please my family here in this life? How can I live this life ultimately to please God? Verses 8 and 9 of our text today. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Since we have this hope, since we have this desire to be with him, since we have this glimpse of eternity, since we have those things, we make it our goal to live a life that pleases him. Since we will stand before him and give an account, we seek to live a life that pleases him. Since he has saved us and we're grateful, we seek to live a life that pleases him. We are confident, Paul says. If you've ever wondered, can I be assured of my salvation? Paul was. He was confident about it. He was confident that he was going to see Jesus. He was going to leave this tent and be with him. And because of that, he said, let's live a life that pleases him. And that's not always the easy thing to do. Jesus said that path is narrow, the right path. The wrong path is broad, and many will find it. The right path is narrow. It's not always easy. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, there's only one way to do it. You have to pick up a cross, and you have to deny yourself, and you have to come after me. Because if Jesus is Lord of my life, it means that I'm not Lord anymore. And the choice is mine, but there can only be one Lord in my life. And so if Jesus is Lord, it means I am molding my life to live his way. He's not molding to fit me. I have to mold my life to live his way. And that requires discipline, and that requires sacrifice. That requires putting others ahead of myself. That requires laying down some of my own dreams and laying down some of my own desires in order to follow Jesus more fully. It's not always easy to do the right thing. It's not always easy to follow in the path of Jesus. And yet, if we have an eternal mindset, the sacrifice should not be that big a deal because we say, whatever I deny myself here, I trust I will get blessed and rewarded for in eternity. Right? Do you really want that one marshmallow now? Do you have enough faith that you can delay that pleasure in order for greater reward later? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, He will bring to light at our judgment. God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. That's a really good mix of a really scary verse and a really encouraging verse at the same time. The first part, there should be probably a little bit of fear of the Lord in there for us. That we will stand before him and everything will be exposed, including the motives of the heart. Which means if I did the right thing but did it with the wrong motives, that's going to come out as we stand before him. But at that time, each will receive their praise from God. And that sounds almost blasphemous, right? Praise goes this way. Praise goes to God. But at the judgment, at that time, each one will receive praise from God. As God looks at our life, and he's going to look at the things we didn't do well, but he'll look at the things that we did do well. And we are seeking to live a life that pleases him so that we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, when we get there. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. How amazing to hear God say, well done. God say, good job. You used your time well. You used your gifts well. You loved people well. You served people well. We should be living our lives to seek, to seek ahead to that day. And that's not always easy again. Because the marshmallow's right in front of us every day, 
right? Gratification and pleasure and comfort and the easy way is right there in front of us every day. And in the middle of this passage, Paul says one of the most famous sayings in the church, which is we live by faith and not by sight. So we live by faith in that promise to come. We don't see it yet. But self-denial says, I will deny myself what I can see in order to grab on by faith to the promise that will come, I trust, as I walk out this walk of faith. This summer, we were spending some time at a cottage uh, on Lake Erie, down the lake near Dunville, uh, towards the American border on that side. And it was a pretty cool spot. This is my daughter Kaylee uh, standing before the lake. And the reason she's standing there uh, is that it was a really good beach, and the only problem with it is in the water, once you hit the water, there was about six feet of rocks, bumpy, jagged rocks, that you had to kind of get over before you could get to the rest, which was all sand. And it was just pure sand from there on out. And so the day before, the water was calm, so you could see the rocks, and so it was easy to kind of navigate and get to the sand, and you could see the sand was right there, so it was no big deal. This day, the water was choppier, and so you couldn't see anything, because the water was all churned up, and so Kaylee had started to go in, and she hit the rocks, and she backed up, and I was saying, you can do it, the sand's right there. And she was saying, no, there's rocks, and she just couldn't see the end of it. She couldn't see where the rock stopped. She couldn't see that it was short. Uh, she couldn't see where she was going, and so she was nervous, and she wouldn't go. Uh, and I was trying to, yeah, I could have just picked her up and carried her, but it's a teaching moment, right? I'm a teacher. we got to grab these moments when we can. So I was saying, trust me, just five steps, and you're there. And she, she hummed and hawed for a while, but then she finally did it, and that's her spinning around saying, I did it, Daddy, I did it, I did it. And she was on the sand. And she just had to trust. She couldn't see, and she had to trust that her dad was going to bring her to a good place if she would just trust and take those steps, even though she couldn't see. And it's a picture of walking by faith and not by sight. The problem is sight is so much easier to live by sight is so much easier because I can see it and I can experience it and I can feel it and I can do whatever I want to do and I can enjoy the pleasures of this life and I can do those things because they offer instant gratification right now. To live by faith and not by sight is to say, I will deny myself the sin that I want to do. I will deny myself all of the pleasures of this life that I can get for myself because instead I'm going to choose to be generous. Instead I'm going to choose to be sacrificing. Instead I'm going to choose to put others first. Instead, I'm going to choose to go the Jesus way and trust that as I'm willing to do that, that there is reward on the other side that will be greater, right? There's two marshmallows there. I've been promised two. And so we look by faith and not by sight ahead. Because of all of that, what we do in this life is obviously crucial. Verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's writing to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Again, fear the Lord in there a little bit. But we will all stand before Jesus' judgment seat. We will give an account for what we did with our time, what we did with our money, what we did with our gifts, what we did towards other people. We will give an account for all of it, and we will receive what is due us. And Scripture talks a lot about reward. Do you remember the song we used to sing in Sunday school? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that? I don't think we sing it anymore, which is good, because it's kind of a terrible song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, for the Father up above is looking down in love. 
be careful little eyes what you see, and then it goes on, be careful little hands what you do, and be careful little feet where you go, and, uh, and it's a cute little song, but it was, as a grown-up, I looked back on those lyrics and going, that's kind of a terrifying way to put that, this idea of sort of God is big brother looking down on you in love, but oh... And I mean, it's not that it's a bad thing to teach the kids that, you know, what we do matters, but it's, I felt like it was kind of a bit of a scary song for a kid wrapped up in a nice little melody uh, that's easy to remember. And yet there's truth in there. And, and obviously that was the truth behind the song. And there's this understanding in this passage that, uh, that there will be a day where we stand before him. We will receive what is due us. And do we want to receive the rewards that he has promised? Not just the reward of salvation, that's assured, and we'll get to that in weeks to come. But there are going to be rewards, apparently, based on what we did in our life. And Scripture talks about crowns that are available. Scripture talks about privileges in heaven that are available. Scripture talks about seats of honor that are available. Scripture talks about a hierarchy in heaven of sorts. Jesus talked about some are going to be great, the greatest in heaven. Some are going to be the least in heaven. So apparently there is placement based on what we did in this life and how we spent our time and what we did with our talents and how we treated others. There will be reward available or not, apparently. Or there will be reward that we miss out on. And again, if we're going to spend most of our existence in eternity, isn't that the better place to be investing in reward rather than just enjoying whatever we can here on this earth right now? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about reward, and he would often use this kind of back and forth as he talked about it in different ways, saying, do you want your reward now, temporary and fleeting, or do you want your reward from your Father in heaven? Do you want your reward now, the, the brief moment that you can enjoy it in this brief life? Or would you rather deny that reward now to live Jesus' way and trust that God will make it up to you and then some when you enter into eternity? In Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21, Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, rewards on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No matter what we have in this life, it's temporary. The best that we have in this life is temporary. Jesus says, don't put your emphasis on this life. Store up for yourself treasure. Store up for yourself reward in heaven which is way longer than this life, and where corruption and stealing and vermin will never affect it. Live your life with that as your motivation. And so Jesus would talk about, do you want your reward now? Or would you delay that to get better reward later? Do you want one marshmallow now, or would you rather have two if you've got some self-discipline? And as Jesus taught about it so often, as he talked about getting your reward now, he talked about uh, things like the praise of men. Like, do you want the praise of man now? Do you want to get people applauding you? Because if you do, you can take that, but that's your reward. If you're willing to put that aside, there's better reward for you in heaven. But you can have your reward now if you want. And as I was reflecting on that this week, I thought, man, good luck in the age of social media walking that one out. Because everything about social media is praise me. Not everything, but a lot of it. Praise me now. Tell me I'm good-looking. Tell me I'm a great dad. Tell me I'm a great pastor. Tell me I'm good. Compliment me. Like my photos. Everything about it just drives towards that. 
And Jesus says, do you want that to be your reward now? Or would you rather have reward in heaven? And it would stink, I think, to get to heaven and have Jesus say, there was reward for you for being a good dad, but you would rather have 100 likes on your Facebook status. So that was your reward. You chose that. You can choose your reward here and now, or you can deny it to get better reward later. And that's just one way. Like, it's not always easy because the reward on earth is instant, right? The gratification is instant, and it's tangible, and it's there. But would you be willing to give that up in order to have better reward later? Are you building up your treasures here on earth? Are you building up your rewards and your comforts and your enjoy enjoyment here on earth? Or are you building for eternity? And as we shift our motivation away from just this life, as we look towards eternity, are we building up our treasure there? God's way isn't always the easy way. Sometimes it is the harder way. But can we take the harder path trusting that anything I sacrifice in this temporary tent of a life, God will make up for in eternity. And eternity is going to be way longer. So that's just a better investment to be looking the long view and seeing eternity in our mindset. Hebrews 4, 15, 13, sorry, says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We'll talk about that a little more next week. Uh, but as we talk about shifting our motivations to eternity and not just here and now. And what's that going to look like for us? And what does that mean for us as we're making decisions and as we're living this life out and as we're engaging with people, as we're deciding what to do with our money? What does this look like to have an eternal mindset? We have an email address here at Meadowbrook called questions at meadowbrook.ca. If you have any questions about today's message, if you have any comments, we would love to keep the conversation going. I know this is not light and fluffy stuff, uh, but I think it's really important for us as we talk about eternity. There's an old joke just as we get ready to wrap up. It's not a great joke, but there's a story of a man who lived his life to please Jesus. And he was wealthy, and he gave away his wealth primarily, and he served others, and he used his gifts and talents to give glory to Jesus. And he lived a good life. And as he came to the end of his life, one night an angel came before him and said, uh, we don't normally do this, but you've lived a good life, and so God wants to give you the heads up that you're coming to the end. He is calling you home. And the man said, well, thank you for the heads up. I appreciate that. The angel said, get your affairs in order. And the man said, I will. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. And just before the angel left, he said, I would love to bring Jesus a gift out of what I have in this life. And the angel said, you can't do that. You, you know, the scripture says you brought nothing into this world. You can take nothing out. Uh, you can't bring anything with you. And he's pleaded and said, but please, I just want to bring Jesus a gift. I don't want to bring it for me. I want to honor him with something. I want to honor him with a gift. And he hummed and hawed. The angel finally said, all right, you can bring a gift. This joke is not theologically accurate. You can bring a gift with you. And so the man thought, well, what can I bring? What can I do to honor the Lord and to say thank you and to bless him? And so he finally decided, all right, I'm going to bring bars of pure gold. And the man gave away most of his wealth, but this was one thing that he kept that was a prized possession. It was the purest gold on earth. And so he thought, yes, I will bring gold. In the Bible, you bring gold as a tribute to a king, and I will worship Jesus. And it's a way of saying, thank you for how you blessed me. I will give that to him, uh, and, and I hope that he's pleased by that. And so, sure enough, the man passed away, and he arrived before the pearly gates, and he had a briefcase of gold bars. 
And the angel who had seen him before greeted him and said, Welcome. He said, You made it. Are you ready to stand before your Lord? And the man said, Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can't wait. I can't wait to be in his presence. And the angels, just before he took him in, said, I just, I got to ask, what did you bring him? I just, ever since we had that meeting, I just wondered, what would you bring? What could you possibly bring? What did you bring to honor Jesus? And so the man, very kind of pleased with himself, said, well, I brought him this. And he opened up the briefcase, and there there was pure gold bars, the purest gold on earth. And the angel just kind of stared at it and didn't say anything. And the man got a little worried and said, oh, do you think Jesus won't like this? And the angel said, no, he'll love it. It's a gift from his child. He will love, he would love anything that you brought before him. But he said, I'm just trying to get my head around, like of all the things you could have brought, why did you bring Jesus pavement? (laughs) I said it wasn't a great joke, all right? (laughs) Because the streets of heaven are paved with gold, if you miss the, the punchline there. And all that to say, heaven's values are different than our values. And, and what is important on earth isn't necessarily important in heaven. And the things that we think are greatly important on earth maybe aren't important in heaven at all. But the call of Scripture and the call of Jesus is live with heaven in mind. Shift your motivation away from just this life. And this life is crucial. But shift your motivation away from just this life. And fix your eyes on eternity and build your reward there. And understand that anything we sacrifice here, we will get back in spades in heaven. And we trust that God, as we live by faith and not by sight, that he will do what is right and he will do what is good. So as we live, we build up our treasures there and we put our focus there. We're going to spend a little bit more time in worship before we close. Would you stand with me, please? It takes a lot of wisdom to figure out what this means for us. There's a story in the Gospels of a rich young man who came to Jesus saying, what do I do to get to heaven? And after they go back and forth a bit, Jesus says, get rid of everything you have and give it to the poor and then you'll have reward in heaven. And the man walked away distressed because he was very wealthy. And I'm not suggesting you need to give away everything you have and I'm not suggesting you can't, you know, have something nice in your house or anything like that necessarily. But it will require some wisdom for all of us, some discernment to figure out what does this mean? How can we live for heavenly reward? What does that mean for us? Maybe it does mean we have to give away everything. Maybe that is the call of God on your life. And if it's not, there will probably be something. But we need to be seeking God on this and praying into this and shifting our motivation away from just this life and looking towards eternity where we are going to spend most of our existence and living our lives that way. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for living just for the here and now. Forgive us, Lord, for grabbing on to what is tangible and pleasurable right in front of us. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us at times for our selfishness. Forgive us, Lord, for being short-sighted and for living by sight and not by faith. And help us, Lord, to see the big picture, to take the long view. Help us to see eternity. Help us to see what that looks like for us and how we can live not focusing on earthly reward, but focusing on heavenly reward and focusing on glorifying you through all of this as we just sang to the everlasting God full of never-ending grace. Lord, let our lives either here in this body or away from the body be pleasing to you and glorifying to you as we lift you up as our Lord 
in Jesus' name. Amen.